welcome to the Messy Antics Podcast, a podcast about all things Messianic Judaism. Each episode, we will be sharing our opinions as we tackle some of the biggest issues in Messianic Judaism. Now, here's your hosts, Rabbis Eric, David, Jonathan, and Toby. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Messy Antics Podcast. I'm joined by Rabbi David, Rabbi Toby, and Rabbi Eric. Uh, today, we are going to be engaging in a discussion around Shabbat. What is it? Uh, who's it for? What is it for? What does it represent? And how should we do it? Or so, if we should do it. Or if we should do it. That's a good question, yeah. Yeah. So, so this actually is kind of a... Uh, a, a Realistically, it plays off of, of of a comment that Rabbi Toby made in a previous episode uh, in talking about how, as he got involved in Messianic Judaism, or, or rather not that as he got involved in Messianic Judaism, came across somebody who was a believer who asked him, hey, from you the know, church. Yeah, said, hey, are you Jewish? And he goes, no, no. He goes, uh, and, and he said, but I, I go to a Messianic synagogue. He said, what does that mean? And he says, well, we, you know. Uh, it's a Messianic synagogue yeah, that we're, accepts, we're, yeah. Yeah, we're Jews and, and Gentiles that we believe that Jesus or Yeshua is the Messiah, and we celebrate our we worship on Saturdays instead of Sundays, and the guy goes, well, I don't think it really matters what day we worship on as long as we worship. And so it kind of spawned the idea for this particular episode yeah. in dealing with the Shabbat and uh, and its place or its role, or if it has a place or a role in the body yeah. of Messiah today. So that's what we're going to kind of deal with and and uh, and dive into organically, uh, discuss, and, and kind of see where the conversation goes. So uh, let's go. I think the first place we should start, this is Rabbi Toby, by the way, I think the first place we should start is answering the question whether or not it has a place. God said that it was an everlasting covenant, that the Shabbat would be a part of our worship to him. And so I think that should be our launch point. I understand that that answers the question in the first few minutes of like what we think, but that you can't, and, and I'm trying to find the scripture, but God says this is something that shall never go away. Yeah, it's interesting that the Shabbat or the Sabbath day is given in the uh, group of commandments known as the Ten Commandments, uh, which there's a whole argument about whether they're the Ten Commandments or not, but that's for another episode that we'll discuss. But it's the fourth commandment in the list of commandments that Hashem spoke from the mountain audibly to all Israel. And then after he completes that group of Ten Commandments, the children of Israel are afraid. They ask God to stop talking to them, ask Moses to have God talk to him and let him talk to them. But uh, we, we talk about them being the Ten Commandments, and the fourth one is remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. It's interesting that of all the ten that are listed there, the only one that begins with the word remember is the one that people want to do away with. And for some reason, there are those that believe that the other nine are incumbent upon all believers, but the fourth one is only incumbent or a responsibility for Jewish believers, that the fourth commandment is only to Jewish people. It's part of a unique Jewish identification commandment as opposed to the other commandments that are listed along with it in those first ten. So there, there's a lot of complexities that go into this on both sides. There are those in the Christian world that would say either uh, the Sabbath isn't important anymore in other words, every day is the Sabbath, uh, that God has made every day equal. There's no day higher or lesser than others. Or you can so, make whatever day a Sabbath you want. Right. Or choose one of the seven and uh, observe it, as I've heard people say. Uh, or that the Sabbath was changed from Saturday to Sunday and so now Christians celebrate their Sabbath on Sunday, and Jews celebrate their Sabbath on Saturday. Uh, so there's a lot of complexities that go into this discussion. It's not simply, do we observe a Sabbath, but what Sabbath? Is it important what Sabbath? Does it make a difference? Does it make a difference to us? Does it make a difference to God? All of those things. And should there be a distinction between a Jewish Sabbath and a Christian Sabbath, or should Gentiles keep the Sabbath at all as believers? Yeah, and I think, you know, it's it's funny because even in our culture, especially American Protestant culture, it's Sunday used to be a lot more of a Sabbath 
than it even than it is even today. For you know, for example, I mean, we have an entire background in legal coursework in both New England and especially the South called the Blue Laws, where there were things you could not do on Sunday. You know, it's it, totally interesting to me the difference between Christian mindset and Jewish mindset. Yeah, mm-hmm. because on the Jewish Sabbath you have to drink wine. Yeah, but on the Christian Sabbath it was against the law to drink. You wine. can't sell alcohol on Sunday. I just want to interject real quick. It's Exodus thirty-one sixteen. I just I didn't want to mention something and not give the scripture reference. In Exodus thirty-one sixteen, the Lord says, "So B'nai Yisrael, children of Israel." is to keep the Shabbat, Sabbath, to observe the Shabbat throughout their generations as a perpetual covenant. Yeah, so. but, you know, looking at it now, because you know, nowadays that's more the answer you're going to get is, well, it doesn't matter which day you worship on. Whereas 50 years ago, like if I were to ask my grandparents and my great-grandparents, you know, what was the Sabbath? It, Sunday was the day. Sunday is the day you went to church. That's the day you spent time with your family. It's the day you ate with your friends and neighbors. It's the day you didn't go to work. You know, whereas today, most Christians have no problem with leaving church service and tearing out of the parking lot at 30 miles an hour, getting to the you know the restaurant as fast as they can to beat all the other church groups who are heading into that same uh, restaurant. And then, you know, it, you know, and then go home and cut the grass. And or... then go home and cut the grass, you know, or, you know, go go do, so, go do something that uh, alienates themselves from their family um, and from God. And not everyone does that. I'm not, you know, again, this is not broad brushing, but largely in yes, the... Yes, it is. Well, you know, largely in the American spectrum, it's, you know, Sunday is you go to church in the morning, and then the rest of the day is to catch up on chores and work that you didn't get to do during uh, the rest of the week, or to go shopping, you know, for the stores that uh, are open. And so, you know, I, I will say, especially before we get real heavy into this, I have a tremendous amount of respect for Christians who actually observe Sunday mm-hmm. as a Sabbath, where it's you're not going to the restaurant, you're going home, or you're going to your friend's house or grandma's house, and you're and partaking of a family meal together. Or you're going back to church in the evening. Or you're going for back another to church service. in the evening for another service. You know, where it's actually a day that revolves around God, around your community, around family. Um, I have a tremendous amount of respect. For those people, but for people who it's just another day on the calendar, um, you know, they're, I, I would say their voices don't really have a place in this conversation necessarily. Yeah, and also I have no problem with um, worshiping on Sunday. The scripture actually teaches us to worship every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. The distinction is is Sunday a Sabbath or is it just a day that has been chosen to yeah. worship? Among Christians, did did people choosing Sunday as the day of worship change Sabbath from Saturday to Sunday for Christians? Which the Catholic Church will tell you, and they're not ashamed to say this. Mm-hmm. The Catholic Church will tell you uh, that they are the ones who changed the Sabbath from, or, or the day of rest, the Lord's Day, as it's often called, from Saturday or Friday night and Saturday to Sunday. And when you ask them, well, under what authority did you do this? And they'll say, well, our authority, it wasn't that God told us to, it wasn't the Word of God changed it, because they'll tell you there's nowhere in the Word of God, there's nowhere from Genesis to Revelation that you'll see that change from Saturday to Sunday. But they'll tell you, we know that we have the divine authority to make this change, not because God God said so, or the Bible says so, but because every other version of the church followed our lead. So that proves that we had the divine authority to make this change. Yeah, and just to interject how I feel uh, to to Rabbi Eric's question, this is Rabbi Toby, uh, I feel it was a day that was changed by the institution of the church, um, you know, centuries ago, and uh, all the other, you know, everything has followed suit since then, so it it, it was not changed by God. There are a couple of scriptures completely taken out of context, I believe one's in Acts, I think another one's in Colossians, where it mentions, where Paul gives instructions to do certain things on the first day of the week. They broke bread on the first day of the week, I think that's mentioned in Acts. I'm sure they broke bread every day. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they ate every day. Well, also remember, too, Paul is talking to a people who would have been ending the Shabbat on Saturday yeah. evening and would have likely been participating in a meal of some sort yeah, that, and then, that evening. And another one was about taking up collections, but because the first day of the week is mentioned in the new in the new covenant, that is where in many very, in very obscure ways. In very obscure ways, that is where they go. When you have Yeshua making very direct statements like the Son of Man is Lord of the Shabbat. Yeah. The Shabbat was made for right. man. Right. And it's interesting right. that if in fact, those statements uh, that were made in Acts and such changed it from Saturday to Sunday. 
it appears that none of the early believers got, got the message or that memo because they continued to worship yeah. on the Sabbath yeah. Yeah, for actually. 150, almost 200 years. Almost. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, three hundred before. Years. Well, before yeah. the church began to shift, yeah. I actually hypothesized that when the Bechadashah or the the New Covenant, New Testament writings mentions the first day of the week, they broke bread together on the first day of the week. Uh, I actually hypothesized that they were actually observing what we would now consider to be a Havdalah celebra- celebration or ceremony, right. not necessarily the same way we do it today. But you know, in in Judaism, we uh, demarcate the beginning of Shabbat at sundown on on Friday nights, uh, and then we demarcate the uh, the the ending of Shabbat and the beginning of the ordinary week. And so when they were gathered, it's not at all uncommon to gather together for uh, Havdalah for the the closing out of the Shabbat. Uh, and to, uh, to to break bread together, to, to, to observe that, to, to commemorate that specific. Right, and, and we have to remember that part of that statement, as Rabbi Toby said, was that they collected an offering on the first day of the week. And part of that was because the offering they were collecting were agricultural products and such, which would have been a violation of the Sabbath to carry on the Sabbath. And many times the Jewish... Uh, people didn't want to handle Roman currency on the Sabbath because it was implanted with, or imprinted with uh, false deities and, and such. So while they had to use it for commerce the rest of the week, they avoided it on the Shabbat so as not to hold an idol in their hand uh, or something re- related to idolatry in their hand on the Shabbat. So they would make the collection on the first day of the week after the Shabbat was over with so that they weren't violating the Shabbat, not to transition the Shabbat to another day. Okay. So I think let's get some uh, important things out of the way. First, where is Shabbat mentioned uh, the very first time? It's in Genesis uh, 1. Uh, let's see. Genesis no, Genesis 2. Uh, verses 1 through 3, it says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and the hosts of them. And on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done on creation. So and God finishes his work, his creative work, yeah. and then blesses the, the seventh day. day. And with that, when we look at there, there's... Two times that we see, in essence, the Yasseret Hadzibrut, or the Ten Words, or what's often called the Ten Commandments. The first is in uh, Exodus 20, uh, which Rabbi Eric mentioned earlier. Exodus 20, uh, verse 8 says, this is what we consider the fourth command. Remember Yom Shabbat, or the day of Shabbat, to keep it holy. You are to work for six days uh, and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Shabbat to Adonai your God. In it you shall not do any work, not you, nor your son, your daughter, etc., etc., including the outsider within your gates, for in six days, verse 11, for in six days Adonai made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rest on the seventh day. Thus Adonai blessed Yom Shabbat and made it holy. And so in Exodus 20, and the giving of the Aseret Hadibrot, the ten words, as the entire nation heard God audibly speak from his batchol, from his voice uh, on Mount Sinai, um, we see the connection of the Shabbat to creation and to God's uh, work of creation, to our memorializing creation, uh, and to us resting on that day from our work, just as Adonai rested on on the seventh day from his work. Uh, and then the second time we see the uh, the the relaying, if you would, of the Aseret Hadibrot is in Deuteronomy chapter five, where Moses is reiterating this now to the second generation of Israel out of Egypt. Uh, and uh, verse twelve of Deuteronomy five says, "Ab." Observe Yom Shabbat, uh, the day of Shabbat, to keep it holy, as Adonai your God uh, commanded you to. Six days you were to labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Shabbat uh, to Adonai your God. In it you shall not do any work, yada, 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 including the outsiders within your gates. Verse 15, uh, you must remember, by the way, it doesn't very literally say yada, yada, yada. That was my insertion. Uh, verse 15 says you must remember. This is the New York translation. <laughs> verse 15, you must remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and Adonai your God brought you out from the there with a mighty hand and an 
outstretched arm. Therefore, Adonai, your God, commanded you to keep Yom Shabbat. So there's a couple of things that are really interesting here. First is that in Exodus 20, uh, the word where it says, remember Yom Shabbat in English, the word is Zachor, uh, which is, is a memorial. We are to memorialize Yom Shabbat. It is to be something, as Rabbi Toby said, that is eternal, that is continual. And then in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 5, speaking now to a different generation, a second generation, he says uh, that we are to shamor, we are to uh, to observe, but it's it's more a concept to protect or to guard the Shabbat. And it's really interesting, the two, because in Exodus 20, when, when Adonai gives the Shabbat, the command for the Shabbat, uh, he's giving that command to a group of people that were enslaved. Uh, and for a hundred plus years, they were enslaved, and all they knew was the forced workforce that was all they knew and they didn't know a rest day they didn't know what that was right so that idea of the connection of you now stop from your work you work only for six days you stop from your work and you rest as Adonai your God did after creation the second generation they only knew the wilderness they only knew God's miraculous provision they only knew God's hand directly in their life they didn't know slavery in Egypt like their parents did right and so this command given to the second generation or the reader of the command given to the second generation uses a term that you are to guard or to protect, or we translate to observe the Shabbat, uh, you're, you, you, which I would say, I would venture to say that the body of Messiah has not done by any regards because we just straight up you know, spliced it and created something new instead. And so he says you're to guard the Shabbat. And then this time, Deuteronomy 5, the Lord connects it to the, uh, the, the, the Exodus, which they didn't necessarily all physically experience. I mean, obviously there would have been some under the age of 20 when they came out of Egypt, but generally speaking, they wouldn't have necessarily physically experienced it in the same way that their parents did because they weren't experiencing being freed from slavery. They were, and, and so there's this connection. Remember, you're to guard this, you're to protect it because uh, you came out of Egypt where your forefathers were slaves, and now you have this opportunity to to uh, to uh, uh, live in peace and and so on. And so you got to remember that. And then the the next time we see this. We see the Shabbat brought up numerous times throughout the Torah, but the next major time that the command for the Shabbat is brought up again is in Leviticus 23 in the giving of the Mladim or the appointed days of Adonai in great detail. Not that they haven't been given before, but in greater detail. And uh, in Leviticus 23, we see this whole like layout of all of the Mladim, of all of the appointed days of Adonai, but it begins with the Shabbat, right? Le- uh, Leviticus 23, verse 1. Then Adonai spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Ben Israel and tell them these are the appointed Moedim of Adonai, which you are to proclaim to be holy convocations, my Moedim. And then it begins with work may be done for six days, but the seventh day is a Shabbat of solemn rest, a holy convocation. You are to do no work. It is a Shabbat of Adonai in all your dwellings. So I venture to say, and I, you guys can disagree with me if you want or, or what have you, but I venture to say that of all of the Moedim, the most important, we call Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur today the high holy days, but only because because they were the only two that didn't necessarily require a, a, a temple service like the Shalos Regalim did. I mean, there was a temple service, but you know, we kind of can manipulate them a little easier, I would venture to say. But the Shabbat, I would say, is the most holy of all of the holy days because it's not a once-a-year thing. It's an every-single-week thing. Every single week of our life, right. we get to uh, observe Shabbat. And especially for us as believers, uh, and going back to what Rabbi David was just saying, Shabbat, we're taught, is a commemoration of the creation and a commemoration of the redemption. Mm -hmm. And so those of us who are redeemed through Yeshua understand there's the first covenant, the second covenant, there's the renewing of the covenant, there's God creating us and then recreating us, and all of that is connected. And when we actually see the the telling of the Shabbat in Exodus 34, which is takes place right after the golden calf, and God is uh, golden calf is there, and God is giving once again the commandments to Israel after they have fallen, after they have uh, made the golden calf, after all that happens, after the tablets are broken and, and all that goes on. He goes back and he says, for six days you will work, but on the seventh day you will rest. During plowing time and harvest, you must rest. And and again, this is a, uh, a figurative uh, second uh, redemption 
pattern. You have God first giving the commandments and then re-giving the commandments. And when you connect that with Jeremiah 31, where the Lord says, I'm going to make a new covenant and I'm going to place it in your hearts. This is, for us as believers, Shabbat should be something that we see as a sign of God's renewal and redemption in our life that he created us and then he recreated us, that he gave us his Torah and then he placed it in our hearts, that he not only created mankind, but our observance of Shabbat is an outward visible statement to all to see that we believe that God redeemed us. And it's not just that he created us, but that he also redeemed us. Yeah, um, absolutely. And I just want to clarify um, it was Acts, it's Acts 20 verse 7 where the first day of the week's mentioned and it just they broke bread 1 Corinthians 16 2 Paul instructs it on the first day of the week uh, the people of Corinth were to put something aside and store it up we don't know the context of that because we only got half the conversation but again and the third one is Mary, uh, Mary Magdalene uh, Miriam Magdala uh, she found that the t- Yeshua's tomb was empty after he had resurrected in John 20 and Luke 24, and that was on the first day of the week. And these are all the defenses, but none of these are clear or direct commands to change. And none are related to the Sabbath itself, mm-hmm. but of something that happened on the first day right. of the week. But I will say that Isaiah 56, which God is speaking of the future, he says in Isaiah 56 verse 2, he mentions... All the sons of men who don't who keep from profaning the Sabbath will be blessed. He says in verses uh, four and six he ref, uh, he refers to foreigners and eunuchs who were kept outside. But what he said in, in in verses two, four, and six of Isaiah chapter fifty six, God is pronouncing a blessing to to people and and to who do not profane his Shabbat, but keep it as in observing it. Yeah, those who will draw near. Yeah, so so what I'm saying is is that God is speaking in Isaiah 56 of a future time when there will be a blessing for people who keep the Shabbat. So he at no point at no point in all 32,000 verses in the Bible does God say it's done. You so and, and with that, I want to I want to draw we're talking about like the Shabbat and should we observe it today? How do we observe it today, etc.? And we're going to get into a little more of the how in a bit, but I want to put a little context here uh, to the Shabbat because for most believers, as I as I said early on, the, this conversation in particular came from uh, a comment that was made to Rabbi Toby years ago, where somebody said, well, "I don't think it really matters what day uh, we we worship on," and and I would venture to say that I think it actually really does, and a yes. lot of yeah, it ways. actually yeah. says the Sabbath day, not yeah. a Sabbath yeah. day, and. And, and and I, I I'm going to pose this. I don't think it matters in the way that so often most Christians assume we mean it matters because it's this attitude of oh you're just being legalistic and if you don't celebrate it on this day then da, da, da. but we're not like that's not our approach by any means. But uh, what I what I want to pose to you is that. Uh, the Shabbat has a very – all of the Moedim in Leviticus 23, all of the Moedim have prophetic implications, right? We know the, the spring feasts were fulfilled in the first coming of Mashiach. The fall feasts will be fulfilled in the second coming of Mashiach. Um, and uh, the Shabbat is no different. The Shabbat has a prophetic implication as well. Uh, and when we look at the Shabbat, there's a lot of, of commands dealing with the Shabbat that we can't physically keep today. For instance, any of the commands dealing with the temple and tabernacle, tabernacle service, any of the commands dealing with the priestly activity, we can't do those today because none of those things are active and, and, and right. uh, uh, effective today. We can't do those. But there's two things about the Shabbat, very dis- specifically, that we can, in fact, keep very literally. Now, obviously, things like not starting a fire, not kindling a fire, we can keep those. But uh, and, and this goes back to Leviticus 23. It says, verse 3, work may be done for six days, but the seventh day is the Shabbat of solemn rest, a holy convocation. Uh, there's two things, two commandments there for the Shabbat that are vitally important. Number one, we are to rest. We're to rest from our ordinary work because the Shabbat is a holy day. It is an, uh, uh, an anointed day. It is a day that we are to rest in the presence of God. This isn't a, you know, you take the day off, you uh, kick back and relax on the, the, the lazy boy or the burger lounge. Beer and- yeah. Uh, not that those things are wrong, not that you can't do those, but the Shabbat isn't about focusing on kicking back 
back and relaxing. The Shabbat is about focusing on not focusing on what we normally focus on and focusing solely on God instead, on his presence, right? So we're to rest from our ordinary work so that we can focus on the holy, we can focus on God. Uh, and then the second aspect of that, of that is that we are commanded to have a holy convocation on the Shabbat, to, to gather together, as we might would say it today, with like-minded uh, people to worship in the presence of God. Uh, and I often tell people at CMC that you can't call yourself a Shabbat keeper or Shomer Shabbos or however you want to word it if you're not keeping both aspects of those. Because a lot of people go, I keep the Shabbat. I've kept the Shabbat for years because God revealed it to me. Well, how do you keep the Shabbat? Well, I just don't work. Okay, well, do you go to services on Shabbat? Well, no, no, no. I, I don't think that we have to get together for services. No, but the Word of God specifically says we're to get together in a holy convocation on the Shabbat. And even and, the more so as the day approaches. Correct. And so so there's two aspects, two commands we can definitively keep today, and that is to rest in the presence of God and have a holy convocation, of a, a gathering together uh, in worship in the presence of God. Now, this is vitally important prophetically because there's only two things we defend know about heaven, about the Alam Haba, the world to come. There's a lot of allegory. Streets are paved with gold, and you know, many. Uh, my house has uh, uh, many rooms. Many rooms, and you know, there's giant football fields, and uh, nod back to audio adrenaline. Right, right. right. Yeah. But uh, the the uh, the the reality is is that there's there's a lot of allegory and and such about about the Alam Haba, but we don't. It could be real, but we don't know for sure. What we do know is there's two definitive things that the Word of God tells us about. Uh, the Alam Haba about the world to come, and that is number one that it is we will eternally be resting from our ordinary work. We will eternally be resting in the literal presence of God. Right? We will be sitting around the throne of God for all eternity in His literal presence. And the second is we will be gathering with the angels and saints for all eternity in a holy convocation in the literal presence of God. So what the weekly Shabbat is here on earth is a sampling, a tasting of heaven on earth. Right? How many times have we heard believers say, we want to experience heaven on earth, we want to bring heaven, and God's telling us, I've already given it to you. Once a week, every single week of your entire life, it's already there. All you have to do is step in it and live it out and interact with it. I've already given you that sampling. We talk about Rosh Hashanah as a preparation for hearing the the, the final shofar blast and, and knowing that sound. Well, Shabbat is a preparation for the eternal reality of the eternal Shabbat that will never end. Uh, and most of the body of Messiah has just written that off or have no contextual understanding of it. And I think what we are striving to do within Messianic Judaism is to reestablish the beauty of that. And unfortunately, there there are those voices in the Messianic movement that would tell you that the Shabbat is a Jewish thing and that it's only for Jews and, and Gentiles have no obligation. You can come and you can participate if you want, but that obligation is not on you. And I would venture to say that that is not at all the case because the Shabbat's first mention, as Rabbi Jonathan said, was in the creation narrative. And as Rabbi Toby said in Isaiah, it talks about all observing. Now, I did want to say one thing additionally as we understand Shabbat more fully and what the, the expectations are, is that uh, Rabbi David has said over and over that it talks about us resting, but understand that that rest is rest from doing our own stuff or stuff that we get benefit or increase from. It's to do for the Lord. If you think about what was going on in the temple on the Shabbat, they were making offerings and sacrifices and all these things going on. So it's not saying yep. you can't do anything, but whatever you're doing should be a gift and an offering to the Lord and not just for yourself. It shouldn't be out of selfishness. It should be out of giving and out of spending and blessing God and others. So uh, you can do things on the Shabbat that are a blessing to God. Uh, so it doesn't mean you have to stay in bed except for when you're at service and then you can't stand up or sit down because that's exercise and work and you can't do – you know, it, it's about understanding that the Shabbat doesn't belong to you. Mm -hmm. It belongs to God and that everything we do in that Shabbat, no matter how much effort it takes or energy it takes – I mean, slaughtering an animal for a sacrifice is a pretty intensive thing, but it was done on the Shabbat – because it was unto God and not yep. for our own self-interest or our own selfishness. Yep. 
And, and I think that's the key is focusing on his presence, right? Focusing yeah. when people ask me, uh, you know, and, and our congregation is with yours as well. Most of our congregations run off of volunteer labor, for lack of a better way of wording it. You know, the, the people running the sound system are, are doing so voluntarily. The people running, uh, unless you got big budgets and then you can pay people to do that, and that's awesome. Uh, but uh, the, the worship the, teams, yeah. the nursery workers, and, the and Shabbat people, school teachers. Yeah. And people will ask me, well, if, if I participate in this, if I volunteer, if I serve in these roles, how is this not work? You know, we're commanded to rest on the Shabbat. And my answer is very simple. If it feels like work, you probably shouldn't be doing it on Shabbat. But if you can do it from a uh, an attitude, from a place of it being a, a mode of worship, an act of worship unto the Lord, then it's a Shabbat-worthy activity. Yeah. And one of the Hebrew words for worship is avodah, which yep. means to labor. Yep. It's actually yep. doing effort for Adonai. Uh, and yeah. what's interesting as well is um, when I do speak to you know my brothers and sisters in the church who, who defend, and, and, and I don't argue, but when they defend not keeping the Shabbat, whether it's Sunday or whatever day I choose, which I think is not very respectful to the Lord, but okay, I'm just saying. But they even well-intentioned, they say that, all right? Um, the person that they always go to isn't Yeshua, which is our salvation and, yeah. and the embodiment of, of, of the Word of God and, and our, our greatest authority. Our example. Our example, right? Yeah. Uh, Yeshua is not the one they go to. It's Paul. And I would like to point them to Acts chapter 16 where two things happen. In Acts chapter 16, verse 13, it says, on verse 13, it says, On Yom Shabbat, we went outside the gate to the river where we expected a place of prayer to be. So they're meeting on Shabbat, Paul and Silas. And then later on in chapter 16, Paul and Silas are jailed for doing this. This is what the the people who... uh, they it's, they brought them out to the marketplace, these Romans did. Uh, they brought Paul and Silas out and said, and when they brought them, this is verse 20, and when they brought them to the chief authorities, they said, quote, these men are throwing our city into an uproar. Being Jewish, they advocate customs, which are not permitted for us to accept or practice being Roman. Right. So and not, not just the message of Yeshua, customs. Yeah, right. And even in Acts, when Paul goes to Jerusalem and Yaakov, James, says to him, people are teaching that you are telling people that you're teaching people not to observe the law of Moses and the customs of our people. And so we want to prove that is untrue by having you go and make this offering and do a Nazarite vow release ceremony. And, and again, that's not necessarily talking about the Sabbath, but it is saying that Paul was not teaching people to violate the law of Moses, right. which included the Shabbat. And I understand that in Colossians it says, let no one pass judgment on you on food, drink, Days and this, that, and the other. But I think what Paul is getting at is don't let anyone judge you based on a salvation issue. Well, it's beyond that because he's actually, if you read Colossians in context, he's speaking to Gentiles who have come to faith and he's saying don't return to worshiping the elements and other things and don't let people condemn you or judge you for keep it for days and weeks because they were judging them for keeping them it said don't judge let people judge you in keeping these things in other words don't let these people judge you because you're keeping the shabbat and the holy days not because you're not okay so i stand corrected there but it hit me like a train when i read that in acts chapter 16 that paul and silas weren't just arrested for spreading the gospel yeah they were arrested for advocating jewish customs yeah. And Romans – so it wasn't just the gospel. I think they were preaching and teaching to obey the Torah within the context of being a believer in Messiah Yeshua, which that's a whole other episode is yeah. how Yeshua uh, – how is the Torah different as a – how do we relate to the Torah differently as believers in Messiah? But it was clear that these Romans are saying these guys are running around teaching things that we can't accept as Romans. Yeah, well, and like, you know, they're gathering on Shabbat for prayer. Well, you know, one of the one of the most Jewish things you can do – is to participate in the thrice daily prayers, right? And so, you know, it, it's one of the things that gets Daniel arrested, you know, and thrown into the, the lions. Uh, it, it's one of the it's one of the things that sets um, Cornelius apart uh, from you know his Roman counterparts, and actually, you know, brings uh, you know draws attention to himself. And God sends Peter to go and minister the gospel uh, to him to be because he you know he's participating in. Um, 
you know, we can assume all the daily prayers because he's, I believe it's the morning prayers that he's doing when it, when it talks about uh, when he received uh, the vision and Peter right. received his vision as well, uh, which then brought him to Cornelius' household. So yeah, those, those things are. Uh, and in Luke, when it says that Yeshua went to the synagogue on the Sabbath, which was his custom, and if we're walking as his Talmudim, as his disciples, as his followers, then we should follow the example that he did. Now, I want to say very clearly that if if you're listening to this and you don't keep the Sabbath, I don't want you to think we're uh, condemning you or uh, saying that you're unsaved or, or any of those things. What we are saying is to invite you to experience something fuller and more powerful and yes. more uh, and be blessed by doing something that you may not be doing don't don't ever do anything uh, observance wise out of condemnation or out of uh, feeling like if i don't do this i'm going to get uh, you know swatted by the lord but be invited to participate more fully let us show you a more excellent way as uh, the scripture says in one place. Yes, yeah, then- I, I just want to say that, and, and to piggyback off of what Rabbi Eric said, if a believer starts celebrating the Shabbat because they think God's going to be mad at them if they don't, they're not going to draw a blessing from that. But the the hard truth, and, and Rabbi Eric got to that, is the, I think the hard truth that that we're sharing straightforward is: is it more powerful and blessed to worship the Lord on Shabbat than it is on Sunday or any other day? Absolutely. It's the difference between, does that mean God doesn't bless on Sunday or any other day? No, but I think it's the difference between plugging into something high voltage versus low voltage. And I think we want to, I think you, you get more power and blessing from the Lord. And I think you get that from doing what he prescribed and in the, the scripture. And the reality is, is you know, everybody will say within like church tradition, everybody says that uh, at the cross, God was done with the Torah, done with Jewish tradition, and everything new started. And, and specifically, Acts 2, after the outpouring of the Ruach HaKodesh, was the institution of this new thing called the church. Uh, and that's, you know, they'll say this is when Sunday started, and yada, yada, yada. But what's interesting is that if you read through the, the, the book of Acts, it's pretty amazing that post-Acts 2, there was a lot of people that were followers of Yeshua still observing Shabbat. For instance, we see about Paul and Barnabas going multiple weeks in a row to specific synagogues on Shabbat and participating right. and teaching and worshiping. Yeah. We, we read over and over again about their interaction with the Shabbat. Right, and um, James goes on to say when Paul goes visits and says, look how many there are that are believers in Yeshua and are zealous for the Torah. Yep. But I've actually had pastors and other people tell me, yeah, I know that Paul did those things, but that's because he didn't have the full revelation yet. But once it was revealed to him these changes, then he changed what he did. But we don't actually find any evidence in the Scripture that Paul ever changed. Yeah. And I, I think it's interesting, at least my experience, and, and rabbis, you guys can add to this, my experience has been that the overwhelming majority of the people that have uh, come into our congregation have come in because the Lord began to work on their heart specifically about the Shabbat to begin with, right? Yeah, that's my um, story. Yeah, yeah I've, I've had uh, one of our elders in our congregation, he and his wife, uh, who listened to the podcast, Avid. Uh, he and his wife, they were uh, uh, very active in the church that they'd been in for years and years. And, I mean, they, they served in uh, different committees and, and so on. I mean, they're very active, very involved, had been very involved for years. Well, their church was doing a Bible study on Revelation. And in this Bible study at this church, uh, they randomly were sitting there studying. And they went, huh, kind of seems like the Sabbath thing is kind of still important. You know, if it was important to God back then and it's important to him in the future, why do we think it's not important now? And they asked those questions and they never got answers. And somehow, and I still to this day don't know how, but somehow they came across our podcast of our sermons from our, our services at CMC and and they started to find the answers for what they the questions they had been asking him. So then they started coming to CMC and they've been with us for, for a number of years now. But over and over again, that's the experience that I've had is that right. so many, uh, especially Gentile believers in Messianic Judaism, so many Gentile believers that have come out of the church, they're coming 
to Messianic Judaism, not because we necessarily have all the answers, not because we do everything right or have it all together by any right. means. We don't claim that. Exactly. But because of the fact that God was already working on their heart about something like the Shabbat or the Moedim in general, and they started trying to, you know, we, as a matter of fact, the, the, uh, one of our previous episodes, um, we talked about, you know, the, is there a separation between the church and Messianic Judaism? And the, the gentleman that, pres- that posed that question to us online, uh, that, that spawned that conversation, uh, one of the things he said was that uh, I, I was a part of a Pentecostal denomination for, for years, and, and just the Lord began to work on me about the Shabbat and about the Holy Days and so on. Uh, and it was something separate from, he didn't start right. going to a Messianic synagogue because it seemed like an intriguing thing to experience. And, uh, and all of a sudden, he started. It was that the Lord started working on him first in those areas. Right. When, when and we then have he people, for those answers. When we have people visit our synagogue, as, as yours does, uh, we we'll go up and I'll visit, you know, visit with and welcome them to the congregation. I'll say, you know, how did you get here? What was your uh, what brought you to this place? And the majority of them start out by saying something like, "Well, I was reading my Bible and." Like that, God led them in the scriptures to a place where they began to search. So, I want to encourage you listening to this podcast. If if uh, you may not be keeping Shabbat on Saturday, you may not be keeping Shabbat at all. You may not, but don't just do something or make a change or even consider making a change because you listen to this podcast and we said something. Get your Bible out, get a concordance out, and just start looking up the word Sabbath and go through your Bible and look at all the verses and then come to a conclusion. What does the Bible say? Not what does Rabbi Toby or Rabbi Jonathan, Rabbi David, yeah, or Rabbi Eric say. A lot of the Holy Spirit say, to convince you, a lot but, of the Lord to but convince let you. God lead you through the scriptures and then take the totality of what the Bible says, not what we said or what your pastor said or what your rabbi said or anybody else, but what does the scripture say concerning the Shabbat? What do the scriptures say they're for? What uh, Shabbat's for? Who does the scriptures direct Shabbat to? And are you included in that? It, it, when you read the totality of the scriptures, when you read the verses about the Sabbath, is you are you one of the people groups that it's directed to? And if so, then I encourage you to make the Shabbat part of who you are. And uh, I, I want to talk for a minute on the how. How do we observe or, or celebrate? Yeah, I was about to how ask that we, question. How do we live that out? And um, I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna first say this. First and foremost, if you feel the Lord leading you in your heart to to try to implement a Shabbat observance, I'm gonna suggest this first and foremost. Number one, focus on the two things that we talked about earlier that are definitive commands we can actually keep today. First is to rest from our ordinary work. Uh, and second is to gather together in a holy convocation with like-minded believers. And uh, in that second one, I would recommend you find, first and foremost, a healthy, authentic Messianic Jewish community uh, as close to you as possible. And if, if you can't find one close to you, look, there's countless Messianic synagogues that live stream their services each and every Shabbat, including Bridam, uh, Rabbi Eric and Rabbi Jonathan's congregation of Pensacola. You can go to shalompensacola.com uh, or look on their Facebook page and find their live stream each and every Shabbat. And the same for our congregation, mine and Rabbi Toby's congregation, Maim Chaim. You can go to shalomeasternshore.com uh, or to our Facebook page and you right. can find our live stream each and every Shabbat and join us in worship uh, uh, on Shabbat, but but start with those two. Find yourself a healthy, authentic Messianic community to worship with, and uh, and make sure to focus on resting in the presence of the Lord from your ordinary work and focus on what He's doing. Now, aside from that, there are great depths of variance in the orthopraxics of of observing Shabbat. I know of Messianic synagogues and Messianic rabbis that are very orthodox-leaning in the way that they observe Shabbat, even to the degree of, in service, you can't uh, use you know take notes with pen and paper because that's considered work, so you can't do that, uh, uh, and, and what have you. Uh, all the way down to, I know of Messianic congregations where when everybody's done eating, uh, I mean, done with service, 
uh, a, a bunch of them will break up and go together in groups to different restaurants because there's no Oneg or what have you, uh, and they'll go to restaurants to eat and, and so on, and, and everything in between. And I'm not saying what is right or wrong. I'm not telling you what you should or shouldn't do, but I am telling you, find a healthy, authentic Messianic Jewish community, uh, which there are variants in how they observe Shabbat between them, but find a healthy, authentic Messianic Jewish community and begin to to uh, 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 try to kind of apply how they observe Shabbat into your life and build from there. Uh, and, and by the way, let me also say, if you are a part of a community, uh, if, if you are a part of a healthy, authentic Messianic Jewish community that isn't as strict uh, on what you can or can't do on Shabbat as you would necessarily be, that doesn't mean you should necessarily leave that congregation either, because the strictness of how you observe Shabbat is not a salvational issue, and it's not a, a issue to break unity over uh, uh, and, and what have you. Uh, and if you're going to a congregation that is way more strict than you're comfortable with, again, not a salvational issue, not something to break unity over when you are in that community, when you're in that congregation, respect the way that they do things and participate participate in the way that they do things uh and and then outside of that congregation you know that's between you and the lord um yeah but there are great variances and and i know each of us have uh our our thoughts and, and opinions and maybe even our own traditions on what we do or don't do on shabbat so anybody that wants to jump in yeah and i'll, I'll just i'll say this for anyone that's um you know looking at possibly maybe uh, observing shabbat for the first time or you just you know you you've been doing it already but kind of aren't quite sure how um, or maybe you're thinking about you know, jumping in, like, okay, should I really give this any more thought? You know, I cannot get online or watch the news um, at all without just seeing how tired our country is. Our and just America, like this is not. not I mean, the rest of the world, I'm sure, is in dire straits as well. Just being exhausted. People are exhausted from work. People are exhausted from yeah. you know stress around uh, you know dealing with external things from the home. I would encourage you to as you, if God is leading you towards keeping the Shabbat, also to to look at the Shabbat as something that God gives you that is so. Needed. I mean, think about it. And, he, and this is kind of a little bit how we practice Shabbat. But we, you know, we have a family meal on Friday evening um, on Erev Shabbat, the evening before Shabbat is. It begins, and we have it gives us a time to gather around the table to bless God for the things that He's given us for the for the want, for the family members around us for uh, the food on the table, no matter what it is, no matter if it's a, a, a small, simple, minimal meal, or if it's an extravagant feast. And you know, as we come up on Thanksgiving, it really should be, Thanksgiving should be like a weekly thing for us. And then the Arab Shabbat meal for us, for my family, for my wife and I, uh, it, it largely is kind of like that. It's this time of just being able to praise God, to give thanks for what we have and for each other, and to re- kind of retire uh, from the world, and to really acknowledge who's in charge of it all and you know what he uh, has given us um because people are exhausted yeah you know pe- uh, think of you know how many families you know what you get to friday night what what is friday night you know oh my goodness jimmy has a football game oh mm-hmm. my goodness we got to get we got to get sports uniforms washed for and i have a bias against youth sports so don't so we can talk about that another day but um <laughs> I'm with um you. But, you know, we got to get ready for, you know, we got a game Friday night. We got, you know, a, a sports tournament all Saturday long next day. And, you know, the, the, so the family goes from running around ragged for business and school during the week to then running right into another day of ragged busyness. And then, you know, most people who attend church on Sunday, it's still a continued ragged business. Got to get, you know, dressed uh, for church. Got to be there on time. You know, got to... Uh, and not that you shouldn't be at services on time and dressed well, but then you know got to run out to the restaurant. Oh, then because I was running ragged with sports or whatever on Saturday or shopping at the mall and catching up on chores I didn't get to do during the week, I have to mow my lawn on Sunday because you know I didn't have time to do that. Lives are busy. Mm-hmm. And so when yeah. you just take that time, if you sit down with your family Friday night, enjoy a meal, and get up and go and worship your God with fellow believers the next day, I guarantee you, your life will be recharged in a way that you cannot do the way you've been doing it for years. It's interesting. When I used to work a a regular job outside of ministry, uh, people would say, man, I can't wait till my day off. But then if you share with them that God 
requires by asking us to obey him and he commanded us to take a day off, they go, oh, no, you can't force me to do that. That's legalistic. (laughs) And it, it just amazes me. God knows us and he loves us and he knows what we need. And he said, six days you shall work, but the seventh day is my day. It's the Sabbath and you will not work on that day. You will rest in me. And people reject the very regenerative work of God's Spirit that gives us the strength to work the other six days. I don't have much to add. Uh, I think you guys... You know, put it wonderfully. I just you know want to reiterate that we're not saying that this is if you don't worship Shabbat on the seventh, worship on Shabbat on the seventh day that um, that that you're not saved or it's not a salvation issue. It's an issue of blessing and obedience. And one of those things that you know, does God still love you and bless you if you worship another day? Yes. I just don't think it's as much as on the Shabbat. I think it's one of those things like we mentioned last episode with if you don't want to do the Modim, if you want to do other days, like, you know, the days that the church celebrates, yeah. that's fine, but I just think you get what you pay for. Yeah, and it's 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 one, it's one something like, I love creativity, and I love that's why Shabbat surrounds the creation. You know, it, it's part of the creation story. You know, when you look for art or pottery or, you know, jewelry, one of the things that, uh, and I love studying this, is Hallmarks. You know, what was the, who, what's, what's the... Not fin- the TV program. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not, not the, not the, uh, the Hallmarks Christmas shows, not the... Uh, Hallmark movies, but the the signature of the artist, you know, the, the the thing that says I was here, I made this. Because when you find a fake piece of pottery, and not that you know a, a vase can be fake if it's there, but like if it is falsely attributed to a different author, you, you know, you don't want to buy it. You know, you're like, oh, why would I spend money on this? Like, sure, it looks okay, but it's not. I know it's not by this person who had this creative instinct and and and, and made these other pieces. I know about whether it be painting or uh, pottery, whatever. But when you find an original piece, something that has the hallmark that identifies it as this is it, this is by this artist that I love. When you love God, you love his art and you love you love his things, you love his creation. And part of that is Shabbat. And Shabbat is the hallmark of God. This the yeah, thing that actually of God says it's a sign of God. It's that, that signature, that seal yeah. of God. So we're so glad you listened to this. We hope we were a blessing to you and that you'll consider some of the things we said today. But again, look at your Bible, read what it actually says, and then if you feel compelled by God's leading, by the work of the Ruach to observe the Shabbat, then make it a part of your life. Make it a part of who you are as a believer in the God of the Bible, the Creator, the God of Avraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. Thank you for listening to the Messy Antics Podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you can be notified every time we drop a new episode. And be sure to follow and interact with us on social media at Messy Antics Podcast.